When you say that someone is your friend, what do you mean by that? When someone calls you their friend, what do you hope that they mean? Now, Facebook tells me I have 577 friends. I have to tell you, a lot of those folks don't know much about me, and I know just a little about a lot of them beyond some shared connection. For that matter, a sizable number of those are dead. <laughs> and some have moved offline, haven't they? <laughs> well, you know the Old Testament of Job? Remember he was a man beset by overwhelming losses and troubles. Troubles that he knew he did not deserve. He had not earned them. You remember that was the first part of the story, but do you remember what happened next? Well, toward the end of the second chapter of that book we hear, and when Job's three friends heard of all these troubles that had come upon him, each of them set out from his home. Eliphaz, the Timonite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite. They met together to go and console and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes and threw dust in the air to land upon their heads. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very Great. So let me ask you, when you have trouble, bad trouble, maybe you have three friends that come and visit you, call on you, or at least text you, right? You okay? But how many of those friends would come and sit with you for seven days and seven nights and not say a single solitary word? Most of our friends would ask some questions. What happened? <laughs> you had no idea she was leaving? What were you thinking? I wouldn't have done that. Or, now why don't you call your boss and beg for that job back? Or maybe they may have done some of that, some version of that never helpful. <laughs> you know I warned you about this. I told you so. <laughs> I said this is going to happen. Now, if you read the rest of the book of Job, you'll see those friends. They got real, real talkative after the chapter two. Each of them will talk a couple of chapters every once in a while here. Nevertheless, do you have three friends who would sit with you a solid week? That's 168 hours. Night and day, they said without saying a mumbling word. Just be with me. Dr. Edwards, who was, uh, was the, he was the Jack Sherman of First Presbyterian Church in Raleigh. <laughs> he said he would roll his orders because he was reads in Scotland. He used to say sometimes, don't just do something, stand there. Which is to say, sometimes you don't need a lot of advice, you just need your friend with you. You need the person there. Well, last week I heard a 
interesting definition of friendship from Sam. He's an English vicar. In the United States, we call him a preacher, but in England, they call him a vicar. And his office was on Trafalgar Square down in downtown London. Well, Sam said that if his family were to push him out onto the street, he probably had about 40 friends he could go to, friends who would take him in at least for the night without asking too many questions. Well, that's what you call an operational definition of friendship. A similar operational definition is in a story from Jesus' ministry. Maybe you remember this. The fellow is paralyzed and his friends take the corners of his bed and they literally carry him to where Jesus is preaching and healing. And Well, here's the story as Mark described it. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum and people heard that he was at home. So many gathered around. There was no longer space, not even near the door. And Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. And when they made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Well, you know, there's some Pharisees and technologists around who said, well, that just ain't right. Ain't nobody but God can forgive sins. Who does he think he is? But anyway, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Pick up your bed and walk. And he did. So how many friends do you have who would literally carry you, tote you to the doctor, and then if they got there and the place was all crowded, you know, most folks think, well, ain't no parking. We just have to go somewhere else. I'll drop you off. But we'd go up on the roof, knock a hole in it. Now, they had a lot of thatch roofs in it. You could dig a hole in the roof. And let you down. How many friends would let you down in that good way? <laughs> The philosopher Aristotle distinguished three kinds of friendship. Friendships of pleasure, utility, and virtue. You can love friends because of the pleasure you get out of being around. They're just so funny. They just always make me laugh. They make me smile. Or you can like them other ways they're useful to you. I remember calling a friend one day and said, I'm, I'm going to ask you a favor. And she said, anything you ask, that I will do. I said, Sandy, I was just calling to ask to borrow that video. I wish I thought of something better. <laughs> that. I, I'd never had anybody say, usually you say, I need to ask you a favor. And they say, but it depends on what it is. <laughs> That's a prudent thing to know. Or maybe you, they're friends that it's their virtuous character. Just being around them, you're a better person. You see character, character qualities in them you wish you had. Don't you know that's the way the disciples felt about Jesus? Well, given the involvement of love in each of the case, all three kinds of fellowship 
seem to involve a concern for the friend for their sake more than your own. Well, you know, if you go over to the Hallmark store or the Family Dollar store's card section or wherever and, and look at, you know, their friendship cards, they have puppies or kittens or flowers or, you know, pleasant scenes. And you want up a single one of them that says, a friend will die for his friends. Which is what Jesus said. Not a one of them go there. Well, think back to our reading from John's Gospel. This is the night of the, the Lord's Supper. Put yourself at that table. You see, you know, it's your last day together. It's the last supper. And Jesus says, you know, guys, we've been together a lot for these last three years. And you've heard me preach. You've seen me heal people. But we've been through a lot. But let me sum it all up in one word. Friends. Because what it all boils down to is that God wants to be your friend. And Jesus said, I'm here to, sh I'm here to show that. I'm here to show that there's not any limit that God won't go to to show you that God wants to be your friend. That's the whole reason Jesus came. The whole way we will spend eternity in friendship with God as friends. Well, let me mention one more New Testament example. It's in the first chapter of John's Gospel, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, he found Philip and said to him, follow me. You remember Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and the prophets were writing. Jesus, son of Joseph, Nazareth. Well, Nazareth, uh, Nathaniel said, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, we move on past that. But Philip said, come and see. We see, Jesus has named us, has called us friends. And it's up to us to tell our friends, as Philip did, come and see. Thanks be to God.